0: Hello, I'm Craig Constantine. Today, I'm talking with David Wilk. Welcome, David. It's a pleasure to have you.
1: Thanks for having me, Craig. I real this is fun for me as a person who usually does the interviewing. It's nice to be the yes. interviewee.
0: I'm well. First of all, I'm delighted that you enjoy that because yeah, I know, I know what you mean. I don't mind. I love this side, the the driving chair. But yeah, it's. Um, podcasting. I, and anybody listening a lot knows what I'm about to do. Podcasting is a lonely road, no matter how many guests you have, it's really just you. Um, so tell me what number are you on approximately. And when did you start?
1: I have no idea. I haven't lost count of how many episodes I've done. I started in 2008. I've had, um, Uh, a mixed level of engagement. So over the course of 14 years, I think it's about 450, maybe 460. Um, I do one every other, every other week for the most part. (laughs) So 25 a year, basically.
0: So that's a a point. There are, you know, people who, like are happy to get to one or 10 or a hundred. And I, I wanted to just put that out for people listening so that you have a feel for where David is coming from um, when he says things that I know we're going to say. And um, you have extensive experience. And I mentioned before we started, I don't know much about books. I mean, I can read books, but other than that, but you have extensive um, experience in publishing and I was looking at some of your current projects and I'm, I think you and I are of a like mind about, so I'm going to say the big kids of the world in podcasting, PRX, BBC, Spotify, they're really well equipped. They're like the giant book publishers, Simon and Schuster and all the other ones that I can't think of. And then you have the people who are the indie authors, the podcasters mostly. And Yeah, sure. There's people who get paid to work for BBC, but most people are making podcasts out of their own pockets. And in the middle there's nothing to help those people and i feel from what i understand of book publishing that this the um the imprints the i don't know if small imprints or single imprint companies are the like the guys in the middle that help decide this book this needs to see the light of day oh here's what you need to do to make it a little bit better and I'm wondering what your thoughts are on, in podcasting space, when you look at podcasting, since you have the same amount of experience almost in that in that whole industry, what are your thoughts on what's missing maybe between, you know, Craig's got a microphone and some gear and, you know, I'm publishing on Simplecast?
1: Well, I th- yeah, I think the sa- there is a similarity between uh, uh, media forms where we have uh, low barrier to entry, um, so therefore you have... Tons of content, like any, right. You know, I mean, there are tools you need to use in order to do a podcast, um, and there are lots of tool providers. So anyone can create a podcast. Anyone can create a YouTube channel. Anyone can create a TikTok. Um, and most, I mean, not anybody can create a book, but you know, a lot of people can write books, um, yeah. and the tools for publishing them, either self-publishing or working with structures that provide the, um, access to, uh, publishing or podcast, you know, making your podcast available. Very similar. The, the, the availability is no problem. The difficulty is because availability creates abundance of content that, um, none of us has a a substantial Uh, audience and very, you know, we're all dividing up the millions of people, but it's sort of aggregate, you know, we see the same thing that, um, the large audiences are for a limited number of um, yeah, outlets, right. and it's going to be right. yeah. And the commercial space is where though you're going to find that because that's what people find out about. Um, you know, there's validation for that. I mean, people being the consumer, and so um, you have small numbers of outputs that have large audiences, and then you have you know they also they used to talk about the long tail but it's really the long body um you know we talk in the publishing business we used to talk about long tail kind of then the body and then the head the head gets all the business the body gets some and then the tail gets divides up everything else but it's really gotten even worse now or you know over the last 20 years so that um what they used to call mid-list mid-list you know you'd have front list mid-list and backlist mid-list mm-hmm. is you know just as the term kind of indicates what would sell almost as well but not as well as the big uh but better than the tail but really it's now kind of gotten worse so no, um, no more
0: mid-list there's no more and then in podcasting they're really well it's actually hard to tell but there really wouldn't be a mid-list per se in yeah. podcasting really yeah um
1: There's the top end and then everybody else.
0: (laughs) right. It's like a Delta function. (laughs) It's like two kids have all the toys. Hey, um, what, so if that's, um, we've sort of like sketched a a little picture of like a perspective we have on the podcasting industry. Was that what led you to work on, um, your newer project live writers? What, like is, or is it, you were, you saw an opportunity that was a little different
1: or like, well, what's the mission there? No that's, a, no, that's a really good question. I think that my impulse was partly based on that idea that um, of curation, that if there is an abundance of content and I'm a listener or a reader, I, it's very helpful to have someone giving me ideas. Like right. what, what should I listen to? And so one way of doing that is I saw that there was a theater, um uh you know collection of theater podcasts and i mm. thought that was really smart like if you're interested in the theater you can go to this one site mm. and they have kind of curated what they think are um podcasts that you'd be interested in if you want to know about the theater and right. i in publishing or in books i thought well there really are three channels there's what readers are interested in there's what um writers are interested in and then there's what publishers are interested in. So you could divide up all the liter the book related podcasts into those three categories and that's what I did with Live wow. Writers. So there's kind of like a channel for readers, a channel for publishers and a channel for writers because writers are really interested in podcasts about the writing experience, talking to writers about the you know like how do you deal with character development? How do you write a a story? You know, like the mechanics of it. Yeah, how do different you... formats and tools and, and mediums. And, and... Yeah, and how do you make a living? Or how do you juggle <laughs> writing books when you have children and all the things that writers have to deal with? That so that was something that I thought would be really interesting. Um, is to create these three kind of channel unit breakdowns, um, and that's what Live Writers is about. It we aggregate as many of the book related podcasts as I could find. And there probably are more that I didn't find. Um, And people could submit, you know, you can send an email and say, add me to the podcast list. Hmm. Um, And then, of course, then the question is, does this do anybody any good? (laughs) Which I don't know. (laughs) So does it
0: do any good? Like, or have you but it was like a shell game where you're like, yeah, I've moved the problem, but I still have the same problem. How are people going to discover the project that's doing
1: the curation and the aggregation? That's exactly right. The problem then goes to, okay, now you've created this curation and, um, You can't build it and they will come because that never works.
0: (laughs) I Uh, I agree. That's like the (laughs) biggest fake thing that was ever sold to anybody. Just build it and they will. Like I blame the movie. What was it? Field of Dreams. Yeah, right. No, you can't. It doesn't work. I mean, you can build it, but nobody's going to show up. Exactly. It doesn't work like that.
1: That happens a lot to us. (laughs) And so I'm still struggling with that because it is very different. I find it actually – I've always thought that marketing books, which is what – Marketing is is helping audiences find things that they're interested in, and um, podcast real pod. You know, if I have a podcast, how do I let people know about it? I think the tool set for podcasts uh, find uh, like marketing is actually less well developed than it is for books. Oh, so, I would and, definitely agree. Yes, and so and I and I think it's still hard to market books, but it's really hard to market podcasts.
0: I'm suddenly struck by um i was gonna say remember when but i don't want to get on my soapbox (laughs) remember when um so books are unless you're like in a book club like sitting around and talking about a book books are a very solitary thing like even if you're all reading together we're all doing it individually and aside from reading to your children it's you pick up the thing you immerse yourself you know you and the author are having this conversation and that's exactly what podcasts are i mean yes there's edge cases to everything, but generally it's the same thing. And yeah, some people hand me books. Like I'm, you know, thinking about my entire life experience, people have handed me books that usually doesn't go as well as people would hope. I'm like, Oh, I don't like that. But, but sometimes people handed books And sometimes people hand me podcasts. I get people say like this episode, you should listen to this Mm or, or Mm -hmm. like, you know, I find one of yours, like that kind of thing. So it it kind of, they feel the same. Like they feel like it's an individual experience and they're a little bit complicated to pass to each other. Um, But like, what the heck podcasting just seems to be getting no traction at all in, in like a grassroots growing of an audience for a particular show. And I guess my question is, Am I wrong that grassroots growing of authors actually used to work or, or did it, it not work in that industry it, either?
1: No, it's always worked. It's just that it's never been uh, easy to um, it's like you think that there, there's a lever to pull for building a grassroots um, uh, mm-hmm. interest in books. It doesn't really work that way. It's, you know, people find books and, and there, a sort of, mystery of how a word of mouth in thing will happen in support of a book and i think that's true for any of the media if people really do find it uh compelling you you want to tell people you want to tell your friends mm-hmm. and um i think one of marketers are always trying to figure out how to make that happen I say "make" as in quotation marks. Right, or, be the catalyst and, to set it off, and that's yeah. not a thing. That's it, hard. It is really hard because um, culture is really uh, an organic um, thing. You know, it's changing all the time, and you no one can understand readers because readers are human beings, and there are too many of us, and it's too complicated. Right. But yes, I mean, there is still you can. You know, marketers have figured out data tools for doing that. If you're on, if you're on Facebook or Amazon, they have a lot of information and they actually can pull those levers. But for us as the creators, we don't have access to that data. We don't have access to those tools um, and we we can't afford them. It's like the, I always think about this with marketing a, a book. It's an individual thing. Well, hundred and fifty thousand books published a year. There, are I don't know what twelve million books in print. Um, <laughs> if, if you think about um how branding works, like if you're a let's say you're a car manufacturer, every time you advertise, you mention your name. Mm-hmm. Well, you may have different uh, models, just, yeah, but you have you're still Honda Chevy Ford, whatever. Um, but a book. If a publisher publishes a thousand books a year, or 200 books, or 10 books a year, each book is different. There is no brand continuity. So I have to market each book um, separately. It and it has, scratch. yeah, and it's so I, I think of book marketing as sort of like a snowflake uh, it melts and it's gone. Whereas marketing is really about building a snowstorm and, you know, building yeah, up some a whole, accumulation, right? Yeah. And we can't do that. You know?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm suddenly thinking, well, how many metaphors can we jam into one? <laughs> but I, I think I'm following. I was just thinking about, like I'm in my head, I'm visualizing, you know, somebody sharing a book, which is at the very least, you know, they're sitting around going, Oh my God. And then and this happened. And then the end of you know, they're telling the story of the book or the experience that they had with the book or they physically hand the book. And that all works with podcasts too. But now I'm thinking Yeah, except the way you would share a podcast with me now is going to be virtually because I think Western society is, aside from the whole COVID pandemic, Western society tends to be more separate little islands. I love all this Huxley's island universes (laughs) metaphor, but I'm also thinking if I'm on, let's say I'm on Facebook, I don't share podcasts. I mean, Craig does, but average people don't share podcasts because- To share something with somebody else, we all know that I'm partly exposing myself to the data machinations of marketers. But I'm also, I'm like expending some of my like online credibility by saying publicly where it's immortalized forever, I like this episode. And I'm thinking like, oh, that's a whole nother level of friction like that that cultural on, the online culture has like this whole feeling of an additional no, layer true. of friction i yeah. hadn't thought of that until yeah. i was just visualizing you're talking about like the life of a book and how it gets shared and i'm like here comes my cousin with a book versus here comes my cousin with a podcast and it it, it like works different
1: well, i don't know I, if i
0: have a question there
1: <laughs> no no but i i think that's you have a you, uh, there's a point there and that is virtual sh- um, uh products or virtual experiences are harder to share in some ways easier because i can just send you a link but that it still requires me to give you a whole wrapper about what i'm sending you and you know if i said what you were talking about earlier is i've thought about this a lot like comparing a book to a to music or a podcast to music that's music is public we listen to it we can listen to it uh, amongst ourselves but we don't uh, listen to a podcast on speaker for you know to, you, it's right? it's, yeah, it's you, not know, a you thing. listen to it privately it's your your personal experience so that kind of inherently makes it harder to share and just as you said the sh- the reading experience is also personal and Yes, the book is physical, so you can see the cover, and I can say, you know, you would like this book if you would just try it. But you know, you, you still have to s- sit down and try it. And yeah. the same thing is true with a podcast. If I tell you about a good podcast, that requires you to sit down, focus mm-hmm. your attention, go to a site, put on headphones or your 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 you know your earbuds, and actually listen. Yeah, that's hard.
0: That's another point and this i've noticed before but it's i think it's worth putting in here too um so I, i'm like you know I, i'm like in my space here and i do not like audio coming out of my computer i dislike that and i love like books they stay exactly where i put them they sometimes they close themselves but like they're these beautiful well, i'm a book lover but i love that it never yells at me and when i listen to even music or audio I, there's like a, an activation energy in my head. Like, do I really want this music to be heard in the rest of my house or, or should I put my headphones on? And for podcasts with very few exceptions, I have to be really in a hurry. I always put headphones on to listen to podcasts. And that's like another barrier. It like drives me further into my segregated personal universe and the opportunity, you know, like if, if my wife walks in the room and I have my headphones on, she understands I'm, I'm working or something, but the opportunity for her to even see that that's a podcast, you know, whereas right. the book is like, Hey, yeah, you, you mentioned this right. came to mind when you said people see the book. I'm like, yeah, you can't even see that this is a podcast. It's just headphones. Um, it's like another friction.
1: Yeah. No, I think about it. We've, people have talked about this in New York where if you were riding the subway, years ago you would be able to see what everyone was reading right um, and they would either be reading the newspaper a magazine or a book or nothing and today if most people have headphones or they have earbuds, earbuds yeah. you have no idea what experience they're having you can't even and you can't share it in any way you can, there's no vicarious like i could lean over your shoulder and read your newspaper um, you know, I can't, <laughs> or at least I can read the B side. I can read the back page while yeah, you're reading the front exactly. page. Exactly. So that it's there's this sort of um, anti-social uh, element to these personal experiences that we're having because they are personal by definition, and I I think that's also part of the impediment to um, a broadening of of sharing of experiences because they are so personal and so in a way anti-social, even though. What you're listening to might be, you know, you're, you're engaging with all these people, but they're, they're not the people next to you. They're somewhere else.
0: Hmm. I'm watching our time tick away. Uh, (laughs) I'm wondering if you have any thoughts, like anything that you've seen, that's a, I'm going to say maybe a glimmer of hope for podcasting or podcast curation or podcast sharing.
1: Well, just the, the, the pure fact that podcasting has become so popular, um, to me is obviously a, um, a confirmation of something that I was interested in for a long time. I, I love audio, uh, as an experience and the talking, uh, which, you know, talking in a, in a non-commercial space where I'm in the room with you, uh, we can have phenomenal conversations that are just incredibly interesting and then they're gone. They're, you know, back to my <laughs> snowflake I, you know, <laughs> metaphor. They just disappear. The beauty of podcasting is, although obviously lots of it will not be wonderful. Pretty, right? <laughs> yeah. But it's all it is saved for history if god help us you know somebody out there in the future wants to listen to this stuff but there is a lot of really cool stuff that happens and i i, I like the creativity that podcasting has uh engendered uh creativity and culture is really powerful and we you know we've created this new world and i i think it's fantastic i love that idea of
0: creativity in culture that's a great point um, David, I, I, as much as I like, want to keep talking forever, I'd be mindful of your time and my listeners' time. So I'll just say thanks so much for taking the time today.
1: Thanks for having me.